You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that have to do with our faith in Jesus and how it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, our topic is reading the Old Testament in 2021. So we are in the midst of our One Story, One Hero series here at CCC over this whole summer, where we're looking at 10 different stories from the Old Testament. The Old Testament can be tough to read. It can raise a lot of objections. We talk about three in this podcast, which would be uh, the believability objective objection, the idea that the stories are just too crazy to be true, the moral objection, the idea that God is different in the Old Testament than he is in the New, or the relevance objection. So the idea that while the Old Testament is entertaining to read, it doesn't really apply to today. Being able to understand why the Old Testament is so important is huge for us as followers of Jesus, both to grow in our own faith and to be able to talk to people who don't know Jesus about him. So welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I have with me today Zach Wyrock, who's our executive pastor of vision and strategy, Stacy Donardo, our executive director of staff and development, and then Jamie Hewitt, who leads our student and college ministry here at CCC. Uh, our topic today is reading the Old Testament in modern times. So we're in the midst of the One Story, One Hero series, which has been great, walking through uh, stories in the Old Testament that are great stories that are well-known to people who've been around faith in Jesus for a while. Uh, But as you read the Old Testament, you can encounter some difficulties, and there are some common objections that people raise to the Old Testament. And so I have three that I think would be good for us to talk about today. The first is what I would call uh, the believability objection. So the idea that some of the stories are just too ridiculous or fantastical to be true. You see things happening in the Old Testament that seem scientifically impossible, and so it's just hard to believe sometimes the things that you're reading. That's one objection. Second objection is what I would call the moral objection. And so uh, there's a misconception out there that God is different in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament. And examples would be you see him, you know, wiping out groups of people or commanding the Israelites to kill this person or kill that person. And it seems like he's a lot more brutal and the world is just more brutal in the Old Testament. And so that can create a moral objection to the Old Testament where somebody could say, well, I don't like the way that God is in the Old Testament. That doesn't make sense to me with the way that God seems in the New Testament. So I object to that. And then the third is what I would call the relevance objection. So somebody who would just say, I read the Old Testament. It seems interesting. I just don't understand how it applies today. I don't understand why I care about the law. I don't care. I don't understand why I care about what prophets had to say. So how do I make sense of those things in a relevant way? So those three objections, we got believability, uh, the moral objection, and then the relevance objection. So why don't we start with the first one, just the believability with, uh, there are tons of stories in the Old Testament. We just covered one, yeah, the last church service we have that. with David and Goliath, where there's, you know, the six foot nine or nine foot six tall guy. And, and some of these stories just seem wild. So how would you talk to somebody who's saying, okay, I see the Old Testament, it's interesting, it just it seems crazy? Yeah, well, let me take a step back real quick before we dive. That's a great question. I want to dive into that before we do. Let me give an answer that will cover all three, just kind of general, and then I think each one is worth examining. Um, the big thing is we want to think about the Old Testament, what Jesus believed about the Old Testament, right? We're with Jesus. Jesus Christ the center of Christianity, right? So if you're listening to this, you call yourself a Christian, you are saying, Jesus is the Son of God who lived and died and rose from the dead. He is my King. Okay, well, well, here's what he believed about the Old Testament. So the Gospel of Matthew makes clear that Jesus came in fulfillment of the Old Testament. Matthew will 
consistently say, this happened to fulfill, this happened to fulfill. uh, The Gospel of John will start by saying, the very God who created in the Old Testament is the God who came in the flesh in Jesus. Jesus himself will say in Matthew 5 that he didn't come to do away with any of the Old Testament. In fact, his Sermon on the Mount is a strengthening of the Old Testament law not a weakening of it. Jesus himself will affirm multiple stories mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. He will reference, for example, Jonah. You talk about believability. Jesus will recognize and affirm the historical veracity of the story of Jonah in which a man lives in a fish for three days. So Jesus believes that story to be true. In addition, in addition to all those other things, at the Transfiguration in Mark 9, you get Moses and Elijah. Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible in which many of the so-called hard-to-believe things are going to be in. And then Elijah, who represents the prophets, the writings and the prophets, the Hebrew expression for the entire Old Testament, Jesus is is seen at the transfiguration to be the continuation of these things, the act two to act one, if you will. So all that to say, if you decide um, internally or you verbalize that the Old Testament is not believable, or it's not moral, or it's not relevant, or it has a different God than the God of the New Testament, you are fundamentally at odds right. with Jesus, yeah. right? And so that, that's the big answer. Jesus believed that the Old Testament was true. He believed it was moral. He believed it was relevant. So if you're with him, you need to believe those things. Now, that's the kind of catch-all answer that yeah. in some that's ways good. closes the conversation and then in other ways doesn't. So I do think it's worth saying, so what do we do with the hard-to-believe sections and so on. So I don't mean to shut down the conversation, but I think it's important to say, if you stand with Jesus, you stand with the Old Testament. Yeah. So you referenced a few stories, the story of Jonah. There are things like axe heads (laughs) floating and seas being parted. Donkeys talking. Days longer than 24 hours and uh, all of these different, these stories that just seem like they're out of more, more fit for like a fantasy novel than they are for reality. So uh, kind of like a guy raising from the dead. A little bit. Or yeah. returning Are you going back at the to end of the world answer? on a horse in the sky. I'm just saying that like... Yeah. If God is God, <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, we, right. we, we, you are a Christian because you believe Jesus rose from the dead. You believe mm-hmm. one day he's coming back on a horse in the sky. That's what the book of Revelation says. So, you know, these are good questions, but, you know, it's not just the Old Testament that's going to make your neighbor go, wait a minute, you believe. Right. What? I mean, okay, so... But I think that's what we're talking about too, is that there are non-Christians yeah. that wrestle with Christianity in the first place because and maybe part of, of their wrestling is, the is okay, it's just yeah. like, I, I like Jesus, who he is. I'm not sure I believe he raised from the dead, and I definitely don't believe that Jonah lived, lived in the in belly a of a fish right. for mm-hmm. a few days. Yeah, I don't know for that person, and that person exists. Uh, maybe, I hope they listen to this podcast, maybe not. I don't know if we're going to be able to aim at that. Right, that person who says, well, you know, I don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, prove it to me. That's a different podcast, right? But I think for the Christian who says, man, what do I do with these? I think, look, at the end of the day, it comes down to this. Either we believe we lived in a, we live in a closed system in which only the, the laws of nature rule, and every time we should expect the laws of nature to be the laws of the universe, or we believe we live in an open system in which God has created laws of nature to typically work a certain way, but that because he's God, he can supersede those laws. Now, if you say the first one, then you don't get the resurrection, right? According to Paul, if there's no resurrection, there's no hope. If you have the second one, then you have to allow for God to break through the laws of nature in a number number of ways. And, And I just think I would say that no one believes in a closed system when they get a cancer diagnosis. Because what's the yeah. first thing they do? Oh, God, please. Yes, heal me. Please heal me. Right. What are they saying? Oh, God, please 
intervene into this closed biological system. And so, okay, in the same way, you are asking that because you are at least hopeful he might. So in the same way, he can break through in, in any number of, of other ways. I mean, I think that is at the core the answer. It's a macro answer instead right. of looking at each individual story. I think God as a as a person, people have characteristics and things that you you and I can't change. Like it's just a reality about them. So the Bible is about God, mm-hmm. and there are going to be things in it that if we can't, we may not understand it. Um, we may not know exactly what to do with it in the end. But this is who God is. This He has chosen to reveal Himself and show Himself in this way for our good that we might know Him. Uh, and there, you know, there are famous people throughout history who have taken the Bible and pulled out all the parts that they didn't right. like. But in the end, really what you're saying is, I'm God. I decide what he's like, um, what's real, what's not real. And then usually what ends up happening as a consequence is instead of being a story of a relationship between the God who created everything and has redeemed his people, uh, religion becomes an ethic, a moral. You pull out all of the things that don't make sense and you're left with a teaching system. And most of us know when given a teaching you know, we can't keep it in the end, and it's powerless to really rescue us from where we are. Yeah, you're also left with an impotent God who can't help you. Yeah. I mean, but when you strip God of all these things, then you can't pray to him when you get a cancer right. diagnosis. When when your spouse says they're leaving you, you can't ask him to intervene. When you mm-hmm. have a toddler who won't stay in bed, you can't ask him for help, right? You. So I think sometimes we have to think through, if we desire to believe in a God who loves us and can help us, then we must have a category for him loving and helping people throughout history in ways that defy, you know, the normal operation of things. So it's really important that Christianity is not fantasy because Christianity says, unless God intercedes, then the natural order of things which he created uh, runs. So if I go outside and jump off the roof, I should expect the law of gravity will work, right? It's not that we're saying, um, you never know. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. No, we're saying inescapably it does unless God intervenes. Yeah. His intercession is good, and it's a fundamental aspect of his character. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. All right. So that's good for that objection. I think, you know, th- those are some very good points. Let's talk about the moral objection. This is one that that we see quite frequently, I think, where the God of the Old Testament seems different, more brutal, uh, whatever y- you might say, than the God of the New Testament. How do you uh, reconcile that? How would you talk to somebody who's expressing that objection? Yeah, initially I would say two things. I mean, one is that um, I think sometimes it's just we're, we are, as a culture, we're not really great at reading literature. Yeah. And so, I, you know, again, uh, an example I always point to is God creates marriage in Genesis 2, right? Adam and Eve, and he puts them in the garden. He tells them to, for this reason, he says, man's going to leave his family, woman's going to leave family, they're going to become one. Then uh, Adam and Eve sin. Cain kills Abel. Then you get a guy named Lamech. He takes two wives. Mm-hmm. And as a Bible reader at that point, four chapters in, you should be going, oh, hold on. Hold on a second. God said, a man shall leave his family, a woman shall leave her family, and the two become one. This is now three becoming one. Right. But the Bible doesn't say that was wrong. He shouldn't have done that. No good story does right. that. Right? The idea hmm. is that you can draw the conclusion. Yeah. So people will say, well, the Bible legitimizes polygamy. Well, no, it actually it actually doesn't. In fact, every time polygamy shows up in the Bible, it, it it is it is producing a negative result, even when it is the patriarchs or you know the so-called quote unquote heroes of the Bible who are participating in it. So, 
I think the first answer is let's make sure we're 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 good readers. Let's make right. sure we're we're paying attention to the context clues. You know, another example, people say, I don't like the way women are treated in the Old Testament. Well, I don't like the way women are treated in the Old Testament either, but but that's not true of God. Like I was reading the story of Naaman the leper today, and that mm. story turns yep. on a little servant girl from Israel, yep. right? She is the hero of that story. Well, well, the inclusion of that in Second Kings is God saying, look what this little girl did. Look at right. how she loved this man, even though and- he took her yeah. from... Yeah, so there's all, again, there's all these indications. Pe- men treat women awful in the Old Testament, but, but God doesn't. But then I think the other thing beyond just being good readers is understanding that um, you see judgment and grace in the Old Testament in the same way you see it in the New Testament. I mean, it's the same. You see, first of all, I should say it this way. There's judgment in the New Testament, right? Jesus says he's going to separate sheep and goats, and he's going to say to the goats, you didn't do these things, and he's going to throw them in into hell, right? Jesus comes back in the book of Revelation, pictured as a general leading an army into battle, right? That's judgment language. But in the Old Testament, you have like the book of Jonah, for example, yeah. Where Jonah just yep. wants Nineveh to be nuked, and God yeah. is saying, "No way, no way, that's not who I am," right? So I think some of that too is just an overly simplistic, under-informed understanding Standing of the Bible. Old Testament, yep. New Testament. Yeah, so. and a shallow understanding of really love in general. I think the idea that somehow there would not be any, you know, that judgment, that wrath, justice. that justice, yep. that all of these things are somehow inherently dissociated from love and grace. Mm -hmm. Those two things have always been held together. In fact, grace is a response to the just judgment of God uh, to say, I'm going to take this instead of you. It still is going to be paid, but by me. And biblically speaking, death, for example, is the consequence of sin, all death, whatever form it comes in, right? Uh, Paul will say in the book of Romans that we're going to die because we're sinners, which means whether I die via cancer or a car accident or at the hand of an Israelite soldier on a battlefield, uh, all death is a consequence of sin. Now, I do not mean that if you die of cancer, that is God putting his finger on you and saying, I just mean the reason why we die is because God is righteously judging us for our sin. And that same God may choose at various times to execute his judgment in a variety of ways, and one way of which would be uh, through the army of Israel. It's important to remember that when Israel goes into an area and goes to war, total war, destroying, that that is from God. It's not mm-hmm. Israel choosing a target and then God going, yeah, right. okay, you're my people. If you don't like the Hittites, you know, neither do I. It's God executing judgment. Well, we can know because God is sovereign that God sees the sin of the Hittites, knows right. the sin of the Hittites, and is executing righteous judgment on him. Yeah, I think... Uh... You know, another way to think about this is like that judgment can look like love from mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. direction. So a good story where you might see this is, for example, the story of the Exodus, where the people of yep. Israel have been enslaved. They've been brutalized yep. by the Egyptians for years and years and hundreds of years. And then finally, you know, they get out of Egypt. Pharaoh lets them go. They're standing at the Red Sea. Right. And Pharaoh decides to send his troops are... after him. And at that point, like it is either the Egyptians die or the Israelites die because the Egyptians get there. I don't. They're probably not taking prisoners. Most likely, they're just going to exterminate an entire civilization. And so, in that case, like what could look like? Well, that's horrible. God wiped out that entire group of people. But the fact of the matter is, number one, because somebody was going down. Number two, for the Israelites, that was actually God loving, saving, fulfilling and pr- protecting his them, fulfilling yeah. His promise 
to them. So what looks like judgment is is I, not at all. I do think when we're on the topic of morality, it's important to maybe talk about the law a little bit, because I think sometimes this argue, argument can take a different form. Why would we listen to biblical morality on sex, for example, when we don't listen to commands on not to eat shellfish or wear blended fabrics? I mean, again, I think we do a whole other podcast on the law and the use of the law hmm. and what it was for, but suffice it to say that, that the again, one of the hard parts about the Bible is... Uh, like imagine, just imagine for a second with me that there's this new movie out that everyone's seen, and uh, you are sitting at the table at lunch, and your friends are all talking about it. They've all seen it, and you haven't seen it, but you but you don't want to admit you haven't seen it, but you've seen the trailer. Okay, so you try to participate in the conversation, but you're limited, right? You're limited. You draw in conclusions, but they're not they're not based on a lot. That is often true of. <laughs> of how we think about the Bible. So the Bible is a really mm. big book. Yeah. And, and you really got to have read it to, to weigh in on it. But the purpose of the law was never because God said it was evil to eat shellfish. In fact, in the book of Acts, he's going to say to Peter, eat everything, eat everything, eat right? everything that I made. Don't tell me, you know, it's all, Peter's, it's all good. Yeah, Peter's actually going to argue. So we know God doesn't have a moral objection to eating shellfish or to wearing blended fabrics. The purpose of the law was to teach us, Paul calls it a tutor to lead us to Christ. The purpose of the law was to teach us that if moral obedience is the pathway to justification, then we must listen to God and do it God's way on everything. And the, the whole purpose of the law was to get was to get us to where Paul gets in Romans 7 when he goes, oh, what a wretched man that I am. Things I don't yeah. want to do, I do. Mm-hmm. Things anyway, I do want right. to do, I don't do. Who what will he's saying me? is, yeah, I can't keep the law. Right? And and that's where Paul's like, Yeah, oh, yeah, you you can't. But remember in Romans four, he goes back to Abraham and he goes, But before there was a law, Abraham believed God and it was credited him as righteousness. All God has ever wanted is faith in his promises. Yep. Right? It was us who kept wanting to turn to moral obedience, and thus God had to show us that won't get it done. Mm-hmm. So when you say, Why would you listen to God on sex, but you won't listen to him on shellfish? So actually I do listen to God on shellfish. In the book of Acts, he said, I could eat shellfish. The point of saying don't eat shellfish is to say, see, Zach, you can't even listen to me on something as easy as a diet. You can't even stay away from the foods I say this. So why would you ever think you could earn your way right. into heaven? So that that kind of question, though it, it feels like a scintillating one to ask on social media, is, is really honestly like talking about a movie you've only seen the trailer to. It's just an uninformed... Uh, question. Okay. Final objection would be uh, the relevance objection, which, you know, there there's some element in reading the law where you're like, well, why does this matter yeah. for me? But the question really being, okay, these things happened long, long ago. Even if I believe them to be true, well, yeah. why does it matter? Why is it relevant for me? Yeah. Well, so I, here's what I would say. and I, I don't want to be too controversial. And again, uh, I don't want to try to cram too much into one podcast, but certain ways of understanding the Bible and understanding theology would render the Old Testament irrelevant. I think if you think that God had plan A, for example, yeah, and that was crazy. Israel, and then he wadded up the piece of paper and threw it in the trash can and developed plan B, the church, I mean, there's a whole school of theology that will teach that. I think that's wrong and awful, and doesn't it doesn't show up, by the way, until about the 18th century. Uh, it's just uninformed and wrong. The Old Testament would be irrelevant. But if you read the Old Testament the way the writers of the New Testament expect you to read it, which is what we're going after in the Jesus Storybook Bible, if you see it... Right as getting you ready for Jesus. In fact, I heard one writer say that it is like the black velvet on which a diamond rests, hmm. right? It, it is the diamond appears all the brighter because of what it is set against. 
if you understand the Old Testament in that light, it couldn't be yeah. more relevant. It's how you make sense of Jesus. It's, it's as relevant to you as Jesus is to you, because it's how we understand Jesus. I think it's also relevant because, I mean, this is coming full circle a little bit, but a clear example because Jesus says it's relevant. Exactly, uh, yeah. Luke 24, road to Emmaus, Jesus is talking and walking with some and of his disciples. Explained. And just it's the language at the end, as he says, he explains how all of the scriptures had pointed to him. Loose paraphrase exactly. of that. Yep. Um, and so I think Jesus would say all of the Old Testament was really about him. By the way, so with the apostles, read the preaching in the book of Acts. That's yeah. what they're yeah. doing. What is totally. Stephen's sermon? Everything. It's like, let me walk you through the entire Old Testament. And then, oh, by the way, God I'm sent the Messiah. He was right. Jesus. Yeah, it's all over. Yeah. yeah. Read the book of Hebrews for crying out loud. I mean, yep. the book of Hebrews is saying, like the book of Hebrews is this incredible treasure trove of great truths about Jesus that you can't understand if you haven't read the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what he's saying is there's, and this is why I say, if you're a Christian, you haven't seriously read the Old Testament. Let me let me just challenge you with this. There are There is beauty to Jesus you don't even know, that you haven't even grappled with yet, that if you would dive in, you would find in Jesus. And my encouragement would be, read the book of Hebrews, and then every time he references something in the yeah. Old Testament, go, go read it. Read mm-hmm. Go read it. Start with Hebrews, bounce back, bounce back, bounce back. I think what you're going to find is, the, again, the beauty of that diamond. Again, that diamond. Take that diamond. It'll shine anywhere. Yeah. But you set it against that black, well, I don't know, was that velvet, felt, whatever. You set you it against that. I don't that. have a lot of yeah. diamonds. You set <laughs> it against that, and and it shines all the brighter. I, I think when we keep the Old Testament closed, only we lose. I yeah. Mean, we, we lose what, what, what is there for us about Christ. Yeah. And the diamond is God, the person of God that we have a relationship with. And when you're trying to get to know somebody, you know, I could have a stat sheet on Jimmy Cozy that says, you know, weight, height, I, you know, whatever, all these details, but that's not really knowing Jimmy. You want to get to know somebody, you say, tell me your wow. story. And so the Old Testament is God saying, I want you to know me. I want you to know the story of how I've interacted with yeah. you, my people, throughout all of history. Yeah. And that's so. really good. That's really well said, because I think one of the things Jesus does, one of the most amazing things he does is by rescuing us, is he brings us into that story. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. he says to us, you know, I like to say to people, the Old Testament is God's resume to you. I mean, it is God, like, look at all the promises I've kept. Exactly. And yeah. this is the same God Jesus is saying. So all of a sudden, a story like David and Goliath becomes our story. Mm-hmm. That's my God who did that. The same God who's made promises to me is the God who who did that, which is amazing. Yeah, I'll just finish, finish maybe with, with this. Uh, if you are listening to this and you've gotten this far and you're not a Christian and you have a problem with the Old Testament, uh, you know, something that would be important for you to do is... Uh, start with Jesus, because as Zach said at the beginning of this podcast, you know Jesus believed the Old Testament to be true, but the fundamental claim upon which Christianity leans is not, did Jonah stay in the belly of a fish for three days, or did David kill the Goliath, or did the Red Sea part, or the fundamental claim is that Jesus Christ lived in our place, died in our place, and rose from the dead. If that's true, then uh, then the Old Testament will fall into its place in your life and in the way that you understand God, uh, but I would not... I would not uh, allow the Old Testament to be the thing that stops you from relationship with God or continuing to press forward if you have not evaluated Jesus on his own merits, because I think that's the most important thing you can do. And then decide what you think about Jesus. That should decide for you what you think about the Old Testament. Yeah. Let and me the, just add to that. If you're a Christian, read the Old Testament. If you're a Bible teacher, teach the Old Testament. You know, I think we have to own that sometimes the poor opinion of the Old Testament is that too many of us are spending time in Paul and not enough time in the Old Testament. It's not either or. So as a church, this is why beginning this year with the Jesus Storybook Bible series, uh, every year in the summer, 10 weeks in the summer, we do the Old Testament. 
That's because we're saying, so that that is a big chunk. It's a fifth of the year we are in the Old Testament because we think it's important. So if, you, if, you're, uh, if you're doing family worship, if you're picking up a book to read, if you're aim at the Old Testament, let's and read all it, make it relevant. And read it through the lens that Jesus is the hero right. exactly. of it. And That's even right. if you're not sure how, stop and think about that critically exactly. as you yeah, read and it. If you need resources to that end, just shoot me an email. I'd be happy to point you to books that will help you uh, to read the Old Testament this way. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.